0: pray once more before we look at the Word of God. Father, as we look at your Word today, I pray we'd be open to hear its wisdom, to hear its encouragements, to hear its challenges, that you'd open our hearts to what you want to say. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> at the end of the sermon, we're going to do as we did on Mother's Day and give you a chance to bless your fathers. If you'd like, we'll send a cordless microphone around. and. Uh, If you'd like to say something, you can. You can start thinking about that now, right? You've got half an hour to tune out and think about what you're going to say. All right, just kidding. All right. Um, And if you choose not to say anything, that's fine too. It's totally okay. Um, This week, uh, reflecting on my own fatherhood, and I'm remembering the day that I'm holding Derek in my arms in the hospital. As a baby. Yes, you were a little guy once, Derek. And uh, I remember thinking, one day I'm going to be this kid's youth pastor. That didn't happen. <laughs> this week I dropped, we dropped Derek off for youth group for the very first time. And I'm kind of like, why do I feel all emotional about this? You know, I thought that was going to be me, like, it, it, up in the front teaching him and, and doing all that. But obviously I'm still teaching him from a different direction. But uh, it was really fun because I, I was talking to Derek about this. I thought I was going to be your youth pastor, Derek. And uh, Derek said, that's okay, Dad. You're my senior pastor. So, that, that works out, too. That'll, that'll be just fine. Um, it, it's amazing. And I think on Father's Day, you know, fathers get honored, but I think us fathers, we reflect on what a gift it is to be a father and how amazing that God has entrusted me with four of his kids to help bring up. And, and that, is, that is an incredible gift, and it's humbling. So... Um, I want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 with you. Would you turn there? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're not slowing down on the Ecclesiastes boat. We're going to keep keep moving ahead. And uh, I think this is a good word for fathers today. I think it's a way to bless you and honor you and encourage you to do what God has called you to do. So let's take a look at it. This first part will be very familiar to you, I suspect. Um, If you're finding your way there still, if you go to the middle of your Bible, Psalms, and then Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, you just kind of go over to the right from there. Kind of the middle of your Bible and then to the right. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 reads like this. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This is an incredibly beautiful piece of poetry that Solomon has composed. And if you notice what he's done here, it should be obvious, but I'll call your attention to it. Uh, It's beautiful because... He chooses opposites, right? All the way down the list, he's got a, a, there's a time to love, time to hate, time to kill, time to heal. And, and what he does is he shows you the extremes of life. And one of those extremes is very desirable. And the other is not so desirable, at least to most of us. Not so desirable. And he goes down the list like this. Desirable, undesirable. Desirable, undesirable. Undesirable, undesirable desirable. He, he does this all the way through. And, of course, what he's saying is there are these times and, 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 and all of these things are, are coming at you. How do you deal with these kinds of extremes? By the way, could you, could you hear the song playing in your head while I was reading that, you know? Turn, turn, turn. Did you, did you hear it? Some of you did. All right, all right. Just, just seeing if I'm the only one. I'm a young guy and I still have that in my head. Think about that. Um, there are these extreme events in all of our lives, Right? Happy times, sad times. Today I'll probably go out after this service and I'll go to a restaurant of my choosing with my family. Uh, I imagine that Derek will be talking to me about the sermon. Brayden will be looking at other people's place to see if they have leftover food he can eat. Caleb will be whispering secrets in my ear, which everybody wants to hear, but she won't tell them. And And Grayson will be laughing really loudly and calling attention to himself and we're going to let him do it. And uh, Christy will be trying to have a normal conversation with her husband. And maybe she will, maybe she won't. We'll see. But um, <laughs> that, that'll be what I do. And I'm going to have a nice lunch and I'm going to enjoy myself. It's my day and, and, and I'm going to be there, right? At the same time, my grandfather lies in the hospital with heart issues, and we don't know how it's going to turn out. He may have pneumonia. And he has a, a, a bladder, a urinary tract infection. So, the, the, not an easy day for him. How do you live with these two extremes? How, how, how do you do that? It's never more profound than when you have, as a pastor, a wedding and a funeral in the same week. And you think, how, how do I live with these extremes? But it's not just pastors, it's you. You live there too. And you're fortunate if it's not a big swing in the same week, but maybe it's different seasons of life. A difficult season of life, and then an easier, more joyful season of life. What do you do with that? And I believe fathers are uniquely positioned in the family to help guide their families through the seasons of life. I believe God has given families a dad to help guide them through these things, before God was going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah, He was. Uh, I don't. I don't know if God debates within Himself, but God asks Himself the question: Should I hide what I'm going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah from Abraham? Should I tell him I'm going to wipe out this city? And He decides to tell him. And and what He says next is kind of interesting. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but it's Genesis 18:19. God says. God decides, I'm going to tell Abraham, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. He says in verse 19, For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. I've chosen Abraham so that he can give direction to his household. And Dad, that's why he's chosen you. To give direction to your household. None of us do it perfectly. Some of us fail miserably at times, but he's still given you that task. If you want to think of it like your job, some days on the job are good days and some are bad days. Some days it feels like everything's falling apart, but you've still got that job and you've still got to do your best. Ephesians says the same thing, right? Um, you know that one, Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children, don't drive them to anger. But instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Dads, you are uniquely positioned in your families to guide them through the seasons of life. God's given you that role. I was watching a uh, last night. We did kind of a, a guys' night, girls' night. Girls did a movie night, and, and us guys stayed in and watched a movie. And uh, we watched the movie uh, After Earth. I don't know if you've seen that, but. It's a sci-fi movie. If you like science fiction, you'll like it. Uh, And it's got uh, Will Smith and his son in it. And and they crash on this planet. It's very hostile. They're the only two humans on the planet. And they've got to cross 60 miles to get to uh, where they can set off this homing beacon to call for help, right? And there's all these creatures, and they're coming after them. It's science fiction, right? But the interesting thing is, when they first crash, the, the dad, Will Smith, breaks his leg. And his son, his young son, has to cross this dangerous terrain with his father's voice speaking into his ear through a communicator to guide him through this treacherous landscape. And I thought, that's a very interesting analogy and very appropriate for what fathers do with their children. They guide them through the dangerous seasons of life and the easy seasons of life as well. But their voice is there during those times. And, of course, in the movie, the communicator goes out, right, you know, and and the son cannot hear his father's voice, and he has to remember what his dad told him. And I think that, that's what we do. We can't, as dads, speak into every situation, but the things that we've shared over the years can last for a lifetime. That's the role he's given us. So how do fathers and really anyone else lead through the tough and the good seasons of life? How do you do that? And I think what happens next in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wants to answer that question. If there's a time to be born and a time to die, the birth part is much more uh, uh, joyful than the death part. And, and and the time to plant is better than the time to uproot. And, and the time for war, that's hard. And so Knowing that there's these seasons of life we all go through, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? Look at the next verses. Here's verse 9, and we'll read through verse uh, 15. What does the worker gain from his toil? He's asked that question before. I've seen the burden God has laid on men. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever is has already been. And what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. This is Solomon's answer to the seasons of life. The hard times and the good times. How do fathers lead their families in times like this? Number one. You see in verse 11 it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now. Beautiful. Time to be born, time to die, time to hate, time to love, time to plant, time to uproot, time for war, time for peace. Is war beautiful? Is death beautiful? Perhaps at times, but I've seen a lot that are not. If you can't rightly call it beautiful, I believe it, there's a better way to translate the word beautiful. Figuratively, you could say it's appropriate that all of the seasons of life are appropriate as they come at us. The hard ones and the good ones are appropriate, which should make us stand back and say, God, you have a wise plan. So number one, God wants us as leaders in the family To uphold the wisdom of his plan. It's a good plan. It's a wise plan. When life is difficult, we men have to find the strength of the Holy Spirit in our souls to say, there is still wisdom in this. And I think when life is good, we men need to be able to say, you know what? Do you see how God orchestrated all of this? Like, you you, you think you got that dream job and God's hand wasn't in it? You think that you met that perfect person, which are no perfect people, but you know, the right one for you to marry, and you don't see God's wise hand in it? This is what dads do. They point it out and say, look what God has done. Look what in His knowledge He's doing in your life. Give Him glory for that. He's done it. Now, there's a second half to this verse uh, that's very important for us to look at. Uh, In verse 11, the second part says, uh, besides making everything appropriate in its time, or beautiful in its time, it says, He set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has given us this longing for eternal things. It seems like the word eternal... It's not meant to be like outside of time. I don't, I don't think he, Hebrew understanding of that wasn't really clear, I don't think, at that time. I think what they're thinking of is things in the past and things in the future, you, you long to know how this all works out. You long for things of value, not, not temporary things, but, but you long to have your life mean something. You long to know what's going to happen after you die. You long for eternity. He's put that in our hearts. And yet, the problem is, even though you have that longing, it says, you can't fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God's The wisdom of God's plan is so deep that we just have to stand back and say, there's a mystery to it. So number two, uh, fathers uphold the mystery of God's plan. Fathers, we want to fix everything. I mean, yeah, when your kid's bike breaks, you take it into the garage and you, and you put some new parts on it. You've got stuff stored in there and you fix it. Or you go to visit your kid's house and the, uh, the furnace breaks. You go down there and you take a look at it, right? I mean, that's what you do. You dads fix things. But when you, go through, when you see your kids go through a season of life and there's no fixing it and there's no explaining it, there's no saying, I know why this tragic thing happened to you. I know why this painful thing happened to you. We, we, we just can't, we can't fix those things. We wish we could, but we can't. And all we can do is, is agree with Job that we put our hand over our mouth, and we're silent. And so one of the most powerful things dads can do is to say, I, I don't know what God is up to. But I do know he's good. And I do know he's wise. And we need to trust him in this hard thing. It's mysterious. The Bible says you're not going to be able to fathom it. So why resort to cliches when you can say, I don't understand the depth of the knowledge of God? Compared to God, I am a fool. And so I humble myself. And that helps lead your family through the difficult things. I watched a movie when I was a kid, um, <clears throat> Superman Part One. Right, remember growing up watching that? Christopher Reeve—that's my Superman. Right, I don't know about these new guys, but he was the guy. And I remember at the end of the movie, I was really, even as a kid, upset at how the thing ended. And I don't think I ever understood. Why, until I got older, why I was upset. You remember that movie if you've seen it, right? Nuclear weapon goes off. Great earthquake happens. Men, by the way, I'm using movie examples because this is for you this morning, right? You love, yeah, right, okay. Uh, Nuclear weapon goes off, and great earthquake happens. People die. He's trying to save everybody. And in the process, he he loses the love of his life. He loses Lois Lane. She dies in the earthquake from the nuclear weapon. And in his grief, he yells out, and he decides to, uh, in in a wonderful, uh, incredibly smart act, fly backwards around the world. Remember this? And the world starts turning backwards, and time goes back, right? And everything kind of goes back to the way it was, right? And, And he puts everything back, and he saves the love of his life, and everything's okay. And as a kid, I watched that, and I went... Who is he to turn back history? What's happened? However a little kid thinks of that, it just seemed wrong. It just seemed wrong. And and nowadays as an adult I think about that, and I I think, yeah, you, you can't change what's happened. And how dare you say what should happen. But here's the thing. I think that scene, more than any other, shows that he's just a, he's from another planet, but very human very, very human to want to undo the damage it's done. How many of us, if we could, could, would turn the clock back and undo what we've done? Or undo something painful that happened to someone we love? You know we would. You know we would. Our compassion would be there and, and, and we'd be guided by our own minds and we would undo that thing. And yet, we are called to live with what has happened and say, God, you are wise. Your plan is wise. Your plan is mysterious to me. I don't get it. And I know you're good. Dads, for leading your families through hard things, we commend you today. We commend you today for doing that. Because some of you have seen some hard things. And you've held on to your faith in the thick of it. And your family has noticed that. And they've gained strength from that. Thank you. I want to change the tenor now a little bit and look at the last thing Solomon says. Verse 12 and 13. Uh, I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. Fathers, you lead your family in the enjoyment of God's plan. You promote the enjoyment of his plan. That God wants you to enjoy life. And it's okay to enjoy it. So, so after the service, it's okay. I mean, you can go get yourself a nice big scoop of ice cream, lick it, a, a lick it at a time, just take it all in. Go see a movie and get some popcorn, some hot, fresh, warm popcorn, and sit back and enjoy life. Now, one of the things many of us believers feel with any sort of statement like that is, but wait. I know there are many people in this world who can't enjoy that. And while I'm eating a nice big meal, there are people in other places that are starving to death. What do I do about that? And I've asked myself that same question. Part of my answer is Grayson, Philia, you know, is I want to take one of those children and make him my son. I don't love him because he was an orphan. I love him because he's my son. But there was a drive there to do something about the plight of the fatherless. They need someone. And I know we're not all called to that. But how are you doing meeting the needs of others? I mean, I think that's something we all have to wrestle with. But this is my point. We shouldn't let, I heard one pastor say it like this. It was a beautiful way to say it. You shouldn't let the things you can't control ruin the things you can enjoy. Or he said it something like that. You can't control hunger across the world. You can't wipe it out. In fact, Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. You'll always have poor people with you. But we're told to work for them and feed them. Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. But that shouldn't ruin the enjoyment of life because you're also called to enjoy life. It's okay. He's given it to you to enjoy. And so somehow we have to hold these things in tension. I help the world. I enjoy my life. Do some of us overdo it? Maybe. And maybe there should be conviction when we overdo it. But we're called to enjoy life too. When we see our dads smiling, Enjoying life, hanging out with us. There's something special about that. There's a hundred things I could do on my own that would be fun for me, but there's something powerful and significant about my time with my family. Something powerful about your time, Dad, with your family. So, for those of you, those of you family men who put your family's enjoyment in front of your own, even, but you just want to enjoy life with them, we commend you today for that. That's a good and godly thing. For me, uh, personal aside, I didn't know I was going to say this, but it just popped into my head. For me it was board games with my dad. My dad hates board games. He hates them. Hates them. Growing up you'd just beg him to play a board game and sometimes he would. Why do I remember that? Cuz I knew that if he sat down it was a personal sacrifice. Monopoly, oh man, that game is long, right? And he would sit down and, oh, I don't know why I remember that, but it was just like, Dad, you're sitting down for me. I know you hate this, but you enjoyed your time with your family. Uh, that's good. Let me conclude by saying this then. Um, oh, let's do the last two verses. Yeah, make a conclusion. Here we go. Almost forgot, 14 and 15. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so that men will revere Him. The word actually is fear Him. Fear Him. Think about that. I can't control the seasons of my life. God can. And He has enough power and enough wisdom to bring whatever He wants to come to pass. Yes, He allows some bad things some bad seasons to come into my life. He's still good. He, d- he does no evil because he's completely good. He could have stopped some of those things from happening. I still praise his name because he's still faithful and good to me. And so I fear him. Many don't have health. My children have health. Could that be removed from them? Should the Lord desire or, or cause or let, allow something to happen? It could. So I fear Him. My life could change in an instant from what it is right now. So I fear Him. He has that much power. And if you think about how much power He has and how much control He has over the seasons of our life, you would fear Him too. Verse 15, whatever is has already been, whatever will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. So I told myself, if I have enough time at the end, I'm going to talk about that last statement. Uh, Literally, that last verse reads like this. Um, The very last line says, God seeks what has been driven away. God seeks what has been driven away. And that's verse, uh, where am I, at? 15 the NIV translates it, God will call the past to account. God seeks what is driven away. You could take that literally and mean that, that God seeks people that have been driven away, or people that have been persecuted. That would be one way to take it. You could say God seeks out forgotten things, things that you've lost he can restore. I was really tempted to go with the interpretation, though, that Uh, God seeks what has been driven away means uh, that God is actually making these cycles and seasons of life happen. Because that goes with the whole uh, verse 15. What has already been and what what has been been before. Sorry, I didn't say that right. Whatever is has already been. What will be has been before. That God is doing this. God is bringing these cycles into play. But I don't think that's what it means. I think the NIV got it right in in their translation of this verse. Because next week we're looking at justice in the world. in the place of judgment is verse 16. So I think what it's trying to say is God can look into the past and pull things out that, you, that have been long forgotten but are wrong. Or even right. Good things that happened in the past and bring them back up and say, I didn't forget about this. I didn't forget. That's the ability he has. And so we fear him. He's a great God. So dads, in a moment we want to bless you. I just want to ask you dads to continue your job of leading your family and fearing God through all the seasons of life. He's a big God. And we would do well to remember that. Let's pray. Jesus, uh you obeyed your heavenly Father perfectly. You followed His plan perfectly. And it ended up in a dark season in your life. It ended up in the cross. And so we know that sometimes we walk the cross path. We walk through hard things. And we've got to walk it. May you give us the strength to walk it. May you bring people in our life with fatherly guidance to help us through it. And for the good seasons of life, the enjoyment we can have, help us enjoy the life that you've set out in front of us. The enjoyment of being with family and friends today. We thank you for all of your blessings. I pray that we are conscious of the needs of the world but able to enjoy what's in front of us as a good gift from you. I pray for any that don't know you this morning that they might understand, Jesus, that you died for them, that you paid the price for their sin so that they might know you personally, so that they might have eternal life, that the longings of eternity in their heart would be fulfilled, that you would grant the promise of heaven to some that do not know you today. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, we're going to end with a time of blessing our dads. So, um, if you have a good word you'd like to share with your dad, or maybe your dad is not with you today, maybe he's gone on uh, and passed away, and you still want to remember a blessing, you can do that now. Would someone like to start us off? Alright. Ty, thank you. Yeah. I want to praise the Lord for my dad. Uh, it's He's such a amazing blessing to me, um, teaching me um, how to stand up for what's true and, and noble and right, even when it's hard uh, and when it costs you something. And that's, that's just amazing. Uh, and the love he's given me over the years and the support. So thank you, Dad.
1: This isn't easy. Um, I could speak an hour. <laughs> My dad went to be with the Lord uh, December of 2005. Uh, it's still hard. Always will be, I'm sure. Some of the words that describe him, generous, empathetic, funny, confidant. He was a hairdresser, ladies. How many of you talked to your hairdresser? He could keep a secret. He was understanding. He always told us that he was not perfect. He'd been there. He'd done that. Bought the t shirt didn't want to go back, but he'd certainly be with us if we wanted him there. He was a dancer, loved to dance, and um, he was—he's uh, just a great guy.
0: Thank you. Keep it good now. Keep it keep well, it clean. All right? all right, all right. Well, <laughs> first I'd like to ask God to find my dad. Nobody will admit to being my dad. <laughs> But then I, d- I do want to thank him for giving me a dad that has stood behind me and loved me and put up with me in many different cases. Um, I do want to thank God for being the father of us all that he's put up with me <laughs> and helped us all. And I want to thank my son for coming up to
1: prove that maybe I'm his dad. <laughs> so thank you.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: My dad lived with us for 19 years after my mom died. Uh, my oldest was only 10 when, that, when he came. He loved kids, and he loved the ki- all the kids in the neighborhood. They all called him Grandpa.
2: I'd like to thank my dad for supporting me in everything I've done and for supporting my sisters as well. I'd like to thank my dad for um, his patience, his kindness, and most of all, his encouragement for me.
0: Um, i like to thank my dad for the constant uh, provider. Um, he's always hardworking. I never heard him complain about working long hours, uh, strange hours, uh, being there and still having time for other activities, showing us how uh, he could be a leader still while doing that. Um, his support and guidance and uh, just knowing that no matter what we did, what mistakes we might have made, he was always there, um, would always be there with us. Welcome, open arms.
1: Um, I'm thankful to God that my dad will be 82 this summer, and then in April he Mm -hmm. will celebrate being 30 years sober.
2: i thankful I had a dad who, I have a dad, uh, he's extremely energetic about life, and he's always had these ex- insane um, hobbies, and I've learned about, we had sheep growing up, we had raspberries, my dad chased trains for a while, he wanted to cast bells for a while, you know, there's always something he was doing that he made me want to learn about things, and it's currently electric cars and solar panels, so if you see an electric car in the parking lot ever, that will be my dad but he can't figure out how to get it past the 100-mile radius to get here. So, <laughs> <laughs> But he is such a, a role model in my life, and I love him so much.
0: Thank you. <coughs> yes.
1: Um, my dad has uh, gone home to be with the Lord in 2007, but he was... Uh, Father to eight, a grandfather to 37, and a great grandfather to 30. And he was such an encourager. What was really cool is even though he was 88, at his funeral was filled with high school kids and all these down and outers that had come and it said what an encourager he was to them and how much he meant to them. So many of them said he was like a father to them because their father really didn't father them. So thanks to the Lord for him. <laughs> My father was ill practically all of his life that I knew him. He died at age 65 of two illnesses. But he always encouraged me to do my best and provided for me and challenged me to take advantage of everything that came my way. And I thank him for it. Even at his last hours when I was with him, I encouraged him to continue in his faithfulness to Jesus. Thank you for my father. Thank you. Yes. Here, Lisa. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, and um, I think the thing that I realized at his funeral the most was I I have a sister. But I, and I think this is a real picture of God, I really thought my dad loved me the most. <laughs> I mean, my dad loved me so singularly. And it was so surprising to me that my sister thought he, she thought he loved her the most and loved her singularly. And I just think, oh, the Father loves us. Oh, he loves us so Individually, it is so indescribable that you think that you're the only one that he loves it's just so precious and so um, the two gifts that I got from my dad that I still am waiting for the Lord to completely replace that because I feel like it's such a void in my life is that he affirmed me so much and he gave me my sense of humor and I think when you lose your dad, who has been so wonderful, it's just its just hard. So we keep depending on God even more every day.
2: So. My dad's not here, so I'm not going to cry. My mom was here for the Mother's Day thing, so I was bawling. <laughs> so anyway, I love my dad just as much. But um, I think there's a, a, a story in my life. When I was in junior high school, I was really kind of in a rebellious stage um, and I remember having um, a note from a boy in my room and my dad had found it
0: not me yeah
2: no it was not an Io <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't good but I didn't know it was bad I mean I was I was young and and so but my dad came in and he worked till 11 or 12 at night and he came home and he came in my room and I was asleep and there was this voice <laughs> and it was Christine, you know, really low, like, I woke up and I thought it was, like, God. I thought I was, like, (laughs) going to be struck. And I just remember having a healthy fear of my dad, like, but I trusted my dad. So when he said, you know, this isn't right, and he took the note to the other parent, you know, like, this is wrong, I trusted him, you know. And um, I don't know, I just look at our kids and and I hope that they have a healthy fear of Niall, you know, because I have that But I have a great respect for him, too. You know, Um, I feel like he's really, you know, even though he worked a lot when I was young, I really knew that he loved me and he cared for me. And um, so, yeah, I'm waiting for Niall to, you know, once Derek or Braden or Caitlin get old enough and they're rebelling a little bit for Niall to be like, Derek. (laughs) 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 So I love my dad and I'm thankful for him.
0: Start practicing that voice. don't want to miss anybody if you've got one still alright as I always say if, uh, if you're a dad here and your child did not share it just means they don't like public speaking and a lot of us don't so um, anyway uh, let's praise God one more time go to prayer and then we'll, we'll be leaving so would you stand up with me and we'll pray and be dismissed